Hello, and thank you for selecting this episode of Rams Revealed. My name is JB Long, voice of your Los Angeles Rams. Coming up, we'll be joined by Andrew Whitworth to discuss some of the corrections he and the Rams hope to make after being kept out of the end zone in Chicago. This week, they host the Eagles at the Coliseum in a rematch of the 2017 Game of the Year. We also have a coach's challenge from one of the most important people in Big Wit's world. But we start this show with a surprise recording for the Rams' left tackle. Glad you're with us. Here's Episode 3 of Rams Revealed. Well, Andrew, thank you as always for your time and for having us in your home this week. In fact, in your kitchen. Uh, is this your day off sanctuary when you do get to be away from the facility? Uh, it is. Just a chance to hang out at home a little bit uh, with my wife, Melissa, and just kind of uh, get all my fatherly duties done for the week of different things we need to get done for the kids. And obviously with the Christmas season around, there's a lot to do. Mm-hmm. Being here makes me wonder, growing up in Louisiana as you did, then spending more than a decade in Cincinnati, how have you and your family found California and moving to the Southland as a change of scenery? Um, I think for us it's been great. I mean, obviously with the weather, you can be outside a lot. You uh, get to be out walking, hiking, doing everything else to be active, and that really fits our family mold with four kids. Uh, we've, we've continued to try to keep them active and outside. My kids don't play many video games or really even know what they are much. So we try to keep them outside as much as possible. And this kind of fits our family being out in California in beautiful weather and, uh, just enjoying the outdoors. Speaking of the kids, we're going to interrupt the podcast to play a little uh, video for you. We'll let Uh you listen and react to it. And you can tell us what you see here. awesome love those monkeys and they are uh that's my kids uh drew and sarah and michael and uh they're at school i guess uh somebody got them to make a video singing me happy birthday for my birthday tomorrow from us as well from the rams happy 37th we brought uh, apparently one of your favorites a cookie cake with us uh it reads happy 37th big wit number 77 and uh, royal and yellow the throwback colors uh, you were at the Coliseum. Oh, that's awesome. I'm going to enjoy that. I, I may uh, may or may not save a piece or two for the, the other <laughs> linemen, but, uh, you know, we love some cookie cake in the old line room for sure. Uh, on this day this week, does it give you an opportunity to reflect not just on 37 years, but 13 of them in the National Football League? Uh, yeah, I think every year, this time of year as it rolls around, I mean, not only is it my birthday, but as the seasons start to roll down, uh, you start to really reflect on, on that year and also the years before. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an honor and, and a blessing to have the opportunity to play this game at 37 years old, especially as a lineman. Uh, I know good and well it doesn't uh, happen often, and, and uh, I know why, too. But, uh, you know, it, it, it is what it is. You know, you don't feel great. Uh, it's, it's tougher and tougher as the years go on on the body. But uh, you know what? I've enjoyed every single moment of it, and, and uh, it's just to me every single time I get to suit it up, man, it's fun. And uh, I'll, I'll never uh, forget any of these moments every week that I get a chance. On that point, your counterpart this week, Jason Peters, his 15th NFL season, he'll turn 37 in January. You two are the first tackles to start at least 12 games in a season at your age uh, since Ray Brown at 42 years of age in Washington. Does that make an impression on you? Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, uh, that, you know, and uh, I, I guess it doesn't happen much. And, you know, for Jason and I both to still be playing at our ages is, you know, is uh, obviously there's, there's a lot of blessing there with injuries, but also just, uh, 
you know, hats off to him and, and what he's been able to do. He's a tremendous player, and obviously, you know, it, it takes a, a lot of effort and a lot of toughness to be able to be play this game still at that age and a lot of ability. So uh, he's a special one and, and a guy that all, all tackles across the league, I'm sure, look up to. Well, happy birthday once again. We wish the best uh, you and your family in the year ahead. One other kind of news item to pass along, and that is you are one of 32 nominees for the Walter Payton Man of the Year honor that's presented to an NFL player for outstanding community service and activities off the field. The winner announced on Super Bowl weekend in Atlanta. Uh, but is this one of those honors where you've already won just by being nominated? Because congratulations. What a great testament to what you've done here in Los Angeles. Yeah, I really think for every guy across the league that has the the opportunity to to have this honor for their team, I mean, winning it is a really special uh, event. But you know, really just having the honor and being named by your team each and every year, uh, I think it's just something that gives you an opportunity to see guys that not only do things uh, on the football field well, but but really who they are off of it tells you more about them. And so, uh, yeah, it's an honor to be named one. And, and really just looking across the league at the different guys named, uh, it's just a ton of guys that you have so much respect for, who they are as people. And at the end of the day, I don't care uh, if you play 20 years and make the Hall of Fame or if you play one, uh, all of us are going to end up without pads and helmets on. And uh, who you are as a person is going to say way more about your legacy than anything else. So, you know, I just uh, couldn't be more honored and, and also just uh, proud to be a part of such a special group of guys. Hope you don't mind me taking just a moment to share with our audience some of the things you were nominated for, including most recently donating a game check to those affected by the borderline shooting in November. Also donated 600 bikes recently in the Grape Street Bike Giveaway. Uh, chaired the Make-A-Wish Tri-County event in the fall, serving children of Ventura, Santa Barbara, and San Luis Obispo County. So uh, thank you from all of those communities and from uh, the Rams as an organization for that work. Uh, a tweet from Johnny Hecker caught my attention, and it reads, This guy, speaking of you, is the most selfless, genuine, humble person I have ever had the pleasure of meeting. We are blessed to have such a great leader in our locker room as well as in the Southern California community. You know, I would add a lot of the same things apply to Johnny as a person and as a player, but what did it mean to have a teammate say something like that about you? Uh, I thought it was awesome. I mean, uh, you know, just something that was very humbling for me to, to read. And, and uh, you know, I try my best, honestly, each and every day as a teammate and as a person to just be who I am and, and don't be anything different. Don't try to be anybody else. And uh, for somebody like that to, to say something like that, Johnny is a guy who's a special human being and makes such a huge difference in the community and as a football player on our team. And uh, just, a, you know, a, a top of the top and when it comes to class of a human and and uh, for him to say that and even feel the need to say that uh just amazing i mean it's just something that you know it makes you feel good and and i mean for me it's uh kind of one of those things i know he he knows me pretty well that you know i, I also understand you know part of part of being man of the year for people that don't know is that they send you that information and the and the whole hashtag so that you kind of can put that on your Twitter or Instagram thing and get people to tweet it so it gives you an opportunity to raise money and get recognition for it and possibly win it. And I think Johnny knows me well enough to know I would never put that on my Twitter mm -hmm. or my Instagram because I just I'm just one of those people that to me it's just it's not about me. And uh, so I, I think I think it's cool that he's he does that because he knows me well enough. So. I mean, kind of the backstory of that's kind of neat as well. Well, we wish you the best in that regard. We hope uh, there's lots of prizes to be won on Super Bowl weekend for you and for this Rams organization. Let's move on to five minutes of football, our weekly look back at the game that was and a preview of the game ahead. A couple days removed now from frigid Chicago. What are your reflections on the second loss of the season? I think really just one of those days that uh, you feel uh, ownership and being – 
uh, that, you know what, every single one of us have played our part in playing bad and, and not having the day we wanted. Uh, unfortunately, I think it was one of those days where offensively uh, all 11 decided to have a mistake at a certain point in the game on a certain play, and, and it just kind of all came in, in the same game and the same moments. And, and so it, uh, it's one of those things where you're going to have days like that. I mean, I would really argue our other loss was really a game that, uh, you know, was a tell of two halves, and we, we didn't quite do enough there in the last drive that we had the ball to win. But this game is probably actually the game that you'd say, hey, you know what, we really truly had a letdown game where we just didn't, you know, really operate as efficiently as we should have. And, and it all starts with myself. I mean, you can't be a captain and a leader and uh, not be uh, willing to eat it in the bad times if you want praise in the good times. So it starts with me and, and it starts with our leadership group and, and we'll get it fixed and, and you better believe we'll be back. You know, I saw you kind of pound your hands together in frustration. I think it was after the second false start penalty. And just as an example of how rare that is, I think you had two all of last season. You know, I don't know if this applies to you, but when I have a bad show, a bad performance, it seems like the next week until you get another chance crawls. It yeah. takes forever. Are you sensing some of that this week as you anticipate Philadelphia? Yeah, I think we do. But also in, in, in sports and I think in performance, you have to realize that sometimes there's just an anomaly. There's just that game where, you know what, uh, or that performance where just things weren't going your way and uh, weren't going to no matter what. I mean, it seems like every time we rebounded in that game and had a chance, we found a new way to mess it up. And and so you have to be able to kind of say, hey, you know what, just let, let's really look at the overall of the season and our process and what we do. And, and don't let things, one bad outing, change our process and how we go about our week just like we wouldn't let one good outing do and so mm -hmm. you know you really have to dismiss it and go back to work and tell yourself hey what is it this week that I can do to be one tick better for this next week and and uh, be able to have the kind of performance that we need to have to finish the season out right because it's all about momentum this time of year and, and so it's about finding that rhythm and finding as a team to go out and perform the way we need to. Three games to do just that, the remainder of the regular season. Speaking with Sean McVay last night, you know, I think that was as hard as I've seen him take a loss. And just for context, that's the first time as the lead play caller he's been kept out of the end zone in a, in a football contest. Can you lend us any perspective on what he is like as a person, how his week goes after you do take a loss? Well, I think he's somebody that just believes in ownership so much that he's always willing to, to blame himself and, and to put everything on him. And, you know, uh, I think that that in a leadership position and, and especially when you're the head coach, I mean, I think that just makes it so easy to, to, to bounce back as a team and, and, and other coaches and everyone else that shares in that role when the leader's willing to say it's their fault. Because the reality is, is uh, you know, it's us that are out there trying to execute the plays and play in the game. So it, it really falls on us to go out there and produce. But for him to be willing to do that, I think it takes the pressure off of you to be able to go, all right, I don't have to worry about whose fault it is. Mm -hmm. I don't have to sit there and own it every single day and every single time I get asked about it. We can just move on and um, you know, as a team and worry about what our each individual part is and us being successful and let that be the focus of our week. And, and Sean's somebody that carries these things so hard because he, he honestly puts it all on him every week. And, and the truth is, is that, you know, we've got to do a, a better job than we did last week of performing on the football field. And, and uh, all of us look better when we do that. And one of the elements of that, I imagine, uh, has to do with protecting Jared, who seems like he's been under duress the last couple of games in particular. How committed is this group up front to getting that resolved so that he can operate 
at his best. Yeah, I mean, I think that's your emphasis every week, and uh, you know, every game's going to play out differently. And, and uh, some games, you're you're going to get teams that are going to try and pressure us a lot and do different stuff that's going to create pressure, and and we've got to find uh, ways to to have an answer. And then there's also games where just individually up front, I mean, you're going to play great players and and, and uh, good brushing football teams, and so you're going to have to do your best to keep him uh, clean. And then there's going to be times where we've you know got to get rid of the ball, and it's it's all different things. So it all plays, and and it's, that's the truth i mean groups around the league that you see hey this line's not giving up a sack or this offense is producing here or there it's really about all 11 and and so for us it's about us as an offensive line group owning our part in it and giving him the time to get rid of the ball and then you know the receivers getting open and jared reading the coverages and and if there's blitzes and different things us working together to find a way to pick those up i mean it's a it's an all 11 game on offense and and as a group we've got to do better all of us uh play in and play out and and you know obviously the important falls and keeping Jared off the ground. A little more than 12 months since the Eagles were here last in what was the game of 2017 in many people's eyes. This time around, they're desperate in terms of their playoff hopes. Uh, their defense depleted by injury. But Michael Bennett, Fletcher Cox, Chris Long, it seems like there's still plenty there to contend with. Yeah, up front is their their best attribute right now, no question. I mean, and, and always will be. I mean, those are the tremendous football players they have up front. Uh, they got a great front four and, and a couple guys that rotate in that are great players too. So uh, that'll be a great group for us to, to have a challenge this week with and, you know, get to be at home and look forward to that matchup. I mean, it's always an opportunity to match up against a good front that you want to go out and have your best day. Last question here as we wrap up five minutes of football, this portion of the program. The last two games, an eligible lineman has scored a touchdown against the Rams. You have appeared in 196 career games with one target. Do you remember it? I do. Uh, it was actually my wife was pregnant with our twins, uh, and it was on my birthday. I scored against the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers on the first drive of the game uh, on a similar play to what the Bears scored the other night, just a tight end, uh, playing tight end and released out on a play-action pass. Uh, and Carson Palmer threw it up and caught it and spiked it in Pittsburgh. So uh, that, that was a fun day. Any chance you get to play your rival at the time when I was in Cincinnati and uh, score a touchdown against them, it's, it's a great opportunity. But there's a little fun fact there that I was also actually the only offensive touchdown in that game. So that was, uh, that was pretty fun too. And it was December 12th, yeah. 2010. This week, December 12th happens to be... Yeah. Your birthday? That's right. There you go. That's All right. awesome. Um, and you made a wonderful transition mentioning your wife, Melissa, because, Andrew, this week's Coach's Challenge comes from the head coach of your household, oh, if boy. that's all right. In fact, she's presented us with two, as she has that's the scary. right to do. The first one from your wonderful wife, Melissa, who's here with us this afternoon. What do you think is a fair punishment for leaving your size 17 shoes all over the house all the time? Oh, man. I don't know. You know, here's the thing. <laughs> I think it's just one of those comfort things, but I'm one of those people that the moment I walked in the house, it's like I got to get my comfortable clothes on, whether that be like some shorts and a tank top or some kind of comfortable shirt that's my favorite, and my shoes off. And so it's kind of an immediate thing. The moment I open the door, my shoes get thrown off wherever it is that I'm standing. And uh, I just kind of shed clothes as I go on my way to get my clothes, my comfortable clothes. So Every now and then I do an okay job of like somewhat remembering to go back and kind of pick up, but not not much. Are you satisfied with that answer? I didn't hear a punishment in there, did you? I, I didn't. I, I disagree with everything you said. 
we don't believe in corporal punishment. So. <laughs> uh, she added, by the way, behind the scenes, if I started giving those shoes away, you would just order new ones and probably wouldn't even notice they were gone. You have so many of them. Is that accurate? Well, I do have a lot of shoes. Um, that's going to end soon when, I, when I'm done playing football because, you know, my Nike deal, my contract, you, you get shoes every now and then. So I'll, I'm able to, if she gets rid of them or I displace them because I forgot where I left them in the house, to get some extra ones. But uh, I'm going to have to get better at that pretty soon. Quick follow-up, question number two uh, from your wife. What's your favorite meal that she cooks and your least favorite? Favorite meal? Uh, well, I mean, that's pretty easy because my favorite is also what she cooks really well, and that's spaghetti and meatballs because she uh, she makes some really good homemade meatballs. So that's all obviously my favorite. Uh, my least favorite is Melissa loves soups and, like, stews and stuff like that. Um, and I'm just – you know, I'm a lineman. I want, like – meat and potatoes or like pasta or, you know and so when I come home and I'm really hungry from work sometimes and she's made like I don't know lentil soup or something I don't know some some kind of soup it's like you know she's so fired up about it and I feel so bad because I'm always like Babe, that's I mean it looks great and it smells good and but uh, I, I need some food so you know that that would probably be my least favorite but you know every now and then it's good when it's cold Appropriate to have that conversation here in your kitchen on your day off. Uh, and thank you for those submissions, Melissa. We appreciate that being the coach's challenge. Uh, just to follow up, do you mind telling us kind of the thumbnail version of your story? How did you meet? How did you become married? Uh, we actually met in, uh, I guess it would be in my hometown, uh, in Monroe, Louisiana, at a restaurant, local restaurant there in town through mutual friends. I had a buddy that knew one of her friends when they were out to dinner, and um, he introduced us. And uh, I think she kind of blew me off for like two or three weeks of me trying to talk to her. And um, finally, I actually convinced one of her friends to give me her cell phone number. <laughs> and uh, you know what? She was really mad at her at the time, but you know what? It ended up working out <laughs> in both our favor. So uh, after a while of courting her and finally getting her going on a date with me, we knew pretty quickly that we'd be together for a long time. Well, congratulations on just building a wonderful family uh, here in the area. We're so happy to get to know you over the two years that you've been a member of the Los Angeles Rams. Our fan question this week is courtesy of Rudy, uh, who states that in his opinion, uh, you along with John Sullivan have transformed the offensive line to make it a thing of beauty for this franchise. He would like to know who were your uh, favorite offensive linemen growing up? Well, I would say if I had to say growing up, you know, I was that transition lineman who always thought he was going to be a skill player. So I was a really big guy, but at the time in high school, I played tight end, played tight end in junior high and I because I was tall and lanky and I always thought I was going to be fast. And so, uh, you know, I was a huge Jay Novacek fan back in the day because I loved the Cowboys. I'm from North Louisiana, a lot of Cowboys fans up there. So I loved the Cowboys. And, uh, you know, I, I just always thought I was going to be a tight end. And uh, I either thought I was going to be a tight end or power forward in the NBA. So I, I loved Carl uh, Malone. I loved Charles Barkley. Those are my guys, physical basketball players. And uh, always thought I'd be a tight end. So even in the recruiting process, I tried to pick out schools that I would be a tight end there. And uh, it never failed that one of the coaches on the staff would be real with me and go, hey, man, you, I know you think you're going to be a tight end, but you're probably going to be an offensive lineman. And uh, sure enough, it didn't take long. My freshman year, I moved to offensive tackle, and uh, then I became a fan of the game. And I think then at that time, obviously, it's Walter Jones and Orlando Pace and Jonathan Ogden and Willie Anderson and, and a guy I replaced in Cincinnati, and Levi Jones was a heck of a player. And 
you know, I just kind of looked up to a lot of guys then and that were playing in the league when I got in college. And that's really when I became a fan of, of offensive linemen and tackles and all the guys, you know, it's Chad Clifton, a guy, a guy that a lot of people have compared me to. And, um, you know, I just became a fan of the game at that point. And so for me, it was really more in college that I looked at uh, NFL offensive linemen for the first mm -hmm. time. Hearing you talk about your fandom of the Dallas Cowboys, your counterpart on this podcast, John Johnson, told us last week that he actually grew up in the D.C. area, a Cowboys fan, as luck would have it. He oh, kind of wow. inherited that from uh, his father. And that reminds me that we did retrieve some answers from him regarding uh, his favorite movies. Uh, it was a question that you posed to him the last time we had you on the Rams Revealed podcast. He gave two answers. One was his all-time favorite, Paid in Full, a 2002 American crime drama. Have you seen mm -hmm. it? Yeah. So he really liked uh, Mackay Pfeiffer in that one, in the role of Mitch. And then recently he said he saw Ralph Breaks the Internet. He gave it three and a half stars on a scale of five. Wow, I'd, I'd have to get a vote from the kids because the kids actually went and saw that this weekend. So, uh, you know, I'd have to figure out that. I mean, I, it sounds like it was a good one. I was told that I have to go back. So I, I'll, I'll be able to give a give a star vote uh, here pretty soon once I go see it. Do you have any recommendations for him, either all-time favorite or something you've seen recently? Uh, no, I don't have any recommendations. I'm not much of a movie guy. I'm kind of a watch it five or six years after it came out because <laughs> I don't have anything else to do one day type of movie person. So that would probably be more my movie recommendations. Well, he also had a return question for you. Speaking of John Johnson, uh, aside being uh, a native of Louisiana, he wanted to know how in your recruiting process you came to choose LSU. Well, that uh, kind of goes back to the lineman question. I, I thought I was going to be a tight end, and Arkansas and Florida both recruited me as tight end uh, opportunities. And um, I was pretty dead set. I was going to play for Steve Spurrier and be a big tight end there in his offense, not knowing he'd probably move me to tackle two. But uh, that was kind of where I thought I'd go, is to the Florida Gators. And uh, that's pretty committed there until my senior year. And Nick Saban, a uh, little guy named Nick Saban, was uh recruited and uh, hired by the LSU Tigers. And as soon as I met him, I knew something was different about him. And I knew he was a special coach. And I just had a belief that uh, he was going to do some special things in, in a school in my you know home state. So I really kind of just had a change of heart and decided I'll go to LSU because I believed in Nick and, and I believed in staying home. So mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, next thing you know, three years later, I won a national championship. So I was pretty happy with that decision. A couple of quick follow-ups related to that to wrap up this edition of the Rams Reveal podcast. Uh, college football playoff prediction, how closely are you following Saban and Bama against uh, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, and Clemson in the other semifinal? Well, the only two attachments I really have in this, really maybe, uh, you know, from a fan perspective, uh, I, I love Dabo Sweeney. He seems like just a genuine good human. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for him. And, and uh, you know, I also thought Lincoln Riley's been pretty tremendous at his job and sure seems like he's uh, one of those up-and-coming, just crazy offensive-minded mm -hmm. guys that can do a lot of special things. But, you know, my, my only real connections, you know, whereas I got a lot of Notre Dame buddies and obviously playing with John Sullivan, who's a massive Notre Dame guy. So I'm, I'm pulling for Notre Dame and Bama because uh, I'll always I'll always be a Nick Saban fan and I'll always root for his teams uh, when they're not playing LSU uh, because I uh, just got a ton of respect for that guy as a coach. And then uh, Notre Dame, I guess I got to support because I like John. So uh, that's kind of a halfway support type thing. But Bama all the way is, is my vote. Well, I'm aligned with Sully as a class of 2005 member of the Fighting Irish as go. well. So, And then the other one, any thoughts on Les Miles taking the Kansas job? 
you know what? Good, for, good for the Mad Hatter, man. And uh, look forward to seeing how he does. I mean, he's a guy that uh, obviously is a good human being and uh, is very entertaining. There's no doubt about that. So uh, I think that uh, for a program that's looking for a way to you know bounce back and get get back involved in their conference and be a be a you know a challenge to some of those teams. Uh, you know, Les is definitely a hard-nosed, uh, old-school football guy, and uh, th- there's no doubt about it. They'll be tough and and uh, do a lot of hitting and be a physical football team. So, uh, you know, I look forward to seeing how he does and uh, look forward to the future there in Kansas. I, I know it will be entertaining, that's for sure. Well, Andrew, we covered a lot of ground here. Thank you for having us into your home. Happy birthday, and we hope it's a victorious one on the football field this Sunday against the Eagles. I appreciate it. Thank you all so much for letting me uh, share a little time with you this Tuesday. And next week, John Johnson will be back. Uh, The Rams' safety had his fourth interception of the season in Chicago, continuing a fantastic second campaign in Horns. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platforms, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all three episodes to this point are available on demand at therams.com as well well. If you wouldn't mind taking a moment to leave a review, we'd appreciate your support and feedback. For Andrew Whitworth, I'm JB Long, and thank you for listening to Rams Revealed.